The following program, The Inclusive Voice, is sponsored by Diversity MBA Media and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of Newsweb Radio Company or its management. Good morning and welcome to The Inclusive Voice, WCPT. Oh, you know, we're going to run to commercial really quickly. We're having some technical difficulty. We'll be right back with you. The world is embracing a remote, globalized, and diverse workforce. Is your organization prepared when it comes to understanding all the nuances of diversity? Diversity MBA can help. From an industry-leading journal and web publication highlighting professionals and best practices to boot camps and conferences featuring noted and accomplished speakers, Diversity MBA is a driving force in diversity, equity, and inclusion education. Check out diversitymbamagazine.com and take the first step towards transforming your organization. Okay. Welcome back. Thank you for, for bearing in with us this morning. And you know what? There's nothing like having a little bit of technical difficulty with the snow. Here we are in, I don't know, I, I want to say what frenzy Chicago, but I love it. I love the snow. I love that it's finally here. So good morning to y'all and welcome to the Inclusive Voice. This year, as we started last week in introducing our new segment this morning on diversity news, really wanted to be able to align some of what's going on in the workplace as some of the current events are happening. So this morning, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, as we move into celebrating Martin Luther King's birthday, civil rights and liberties. But to really look back a little bit on AI and the, the Gen X, uh, the Gen Z generation that's moving away from the Internet. And now AI is really being able to take over to what we're doing. I mean, just one year in and you can already see that chat GPT, it's already you know, doing its bidding. Um, New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, I love these two newspapers, these global papers, as a source of real-time daily news and really gives you a good insight and sense of the alignment of what's happening in the diversity space. But really back to wanting to just spend a couple minutes and talking about how AI artificial intelligence is is growing at a massive pace and influencing how our young people think. I just heard just a minute ago the commercial about great teachers. We need great teachers and recognize and award them for for being able to help and teach our, our young children how to think, how to critically really be um you know, discover, critically discover things, uh, uh, maintain their curiosity. And and that's, that's why teachers are so important. So with AI, we're finding that its use can always almost take away your ability to think. And, you know, you can put a phrase, put whatever you want to in chat GPT, and it will give you all kinds of information because it is sources everything that's out there. But the challenge that we have is, is it all right? And, and so how do you use it? How is it most effectively to be used? I will tell you in the workplace, um, particularly as a recruiting tool, it was a really good thing to have. However, there were algorithms that were actually discriminatory. So companies had to pause and stop using AI until they actually manipulated it to make sure it was fair. But don't misunderstand me. It is where we're going in the future. I really encourage people to learn more about it and to use it the way they should. But what's happening is as we move away from internet and actually social media at some level where it used to be so dependable, is no longer as dependable as it should be. You saw what happened with Twitter. You saw what I previous, uh, how President Trump manipulated Twitter or, or maximized it, however you want to look at that. But now that it's under new management, you can see that it's really become something different than just about tweeting real-time news that's going to make a change. You have, it's so opinion-driven that you can't even trust it. And even while TikTok was really meant to be able to let people 
have an opinion on whatever they want in a quick moment. Well, I will tell you that what's amazing is people are actually sourcing TikTok as their source. Uh, an opinion-based site that is not bared in facts is being sourced <laughs> as a reference, you know, for facts. So this is some of the the dangers of the internet and social media that we have to look like look at, and it's so overwhelming. Even our search engines have become so overwhelming with information and advertising. You're not even sure you know, what you can depend on. So I, I say this to you, that we have to go back to, if you ask me, old school news. We almost have to go back to those sources of the Wall Street journals, to Crane's business, as we know here in Chicago, the Tribune, Star Media, uh, you know, uh, New York Times. We almost have to do that in the, in the, in the intent of ensuring that we're getting the real news, that the investigative reporters are sharing with us, even on the radio, we're getting our our hosts that are actually providing um, our very experienced announcers um, and experts providing you real insights that make a difference. And I know you're probably hearing you know all this passion, saying, "What's going on here, Pam? What are you talking about this?" But I'm just telling you, we have to caution ourselves with what's happening in the internet and the change, the real quick change that's happening and how to make sure we pace and use the good part of it as we always have. Because as you know, one thing dies and another one comes. So what is my point here that I want to make around AI um, in the marketplace? We just want to make sure it doesn't really replace, that we can have some input and insights and not in replacing right the human side of who we are. And I'm not going to really get into and go deep about it, but just like what's happening in Hollywood, just like the strike that was occurred because it was all about replacing AI with people. So, I mean, uh, people with AI. So we want to really try to think about what we can do and how we can better leverage our AI and our technology tools in a way that's responsibly. So with that, I'm going to go to our commercial break and we'll be right back with our guests. Really excited who we have with to talk to this morning and to probably give you some good lessons in what's happening and what's coming up today in the, uh, the legal world. So we'll be right back after the couple commercials. At UPMC, we believe care goes beyond our walls and into our communities. That's why we support organizations and individuals who help people prosper by giving them skills and training for employment, including right here at UPMC. Because life-changing is providing people a chance to grow. Learn more at upmc.com slash community impact. UPMC, life-changing medicine. Let the tight labor market get in the way of your company's success. Open your mind to new ideas and open your enterprise to new workforce solutions. With bold business, companies can leverage extensive global assets and a lengthy track record of success in reducing labor costs. Don't let borders get in the way of giving your company the best possible workforce. For remote positions, Bold Business can save clients up to 30 to 50% with skilled and experienced candidates from a global talent pool. Head to boldbusiness.com for more information. From emails that get no response, to improper billing and shipping, to inventory mistakes, waste can be an expansive, encompassing problem. With a track record of success that includes over $7 billion in successful projects, Bold Business has been helping clients over two decades. Whether you seek to enhance the performance of current anti-waste and waste initiatives, reduce reputational damage in the face of heightened public scrutiny, or simply safeguard cost efficiency, Bold Business has the answers. Check out boldbusiness.com for more information. Good morning. This is Pam McElvain. I'm your host, The Inclusive Voice. 
Hey, feel free and grab your coffee, as I said, and look and step back and let's enjoy this wintry, warm, ooh, morning. Um, so as we move into celebrating next week, Martin Luther King's uh, birthday and the movement for civil rights, we thought it would be appropriate to talk to an esteemed guest that has incredible, incredible experience in this space and supporting others. Celebrated, recognized uh, Demetrius Esquire, Demetrius Evans, is joining us this morning. Good morning, Demetrius. Good morning. <laughs> How are you? Feeling good. Um, you know, looking looking outside at all this snow and uh understanding that we are in a winter wonderland here in Chicago and hoping everybody is safe, right, and, and, and warm because I know that that's one of the issues that we ran into um, last year in Chicago that, you know, people were freezing and we didn't even know. I know, I know. Isn't that the truth? And let me just ask you, you know, post, you know, one thank you for coming back, particularly this, ooh, this, Toasty morning um, with us on the show. But what are you doing now? What have you been doing to keep yourself both mentally and physical well? You know, since I'm not going to say post-COVID anymore because now it's something that occurs every season. So how do you keep yourself mentally and physically well? Um, well, physical is easy for me because I started uh, running marathons about 12 years ago. And so um, I, there's a, a very, a very specific regime that um, that you go through that has to do with you know what you're eating and how you're thinking about challenges because they say like eighty percent of the marathon is is in your head and so a lot of a lot of mind um, classes I've been taking and I and I and I, I just never stop that just making sure that um, I'm always in the right space, uh, the right the right head space, and that goes to thinking positive. But I want to tell you what I did this, I, I guess I started this about three weeks ago, and I really, you know, you know how serendipitously things come to you, and so I had this opportunity to start to um, train on helping others through crisis situations, mental situ- mental issues that might turn into um, suicide. Because I learned that every 12 minutes in the United States, someone is committing suicide, which was really eye-opening for me. And so I started going through these classes to teach me how to, um, to, to notice the signs, to recognize the signs in people when they are going through something tough and what questions do you ask and, you know, when is it okay to say, are you having these, these, um, these suicidal thoughts? So that, that's wow. been really eye-opening, has allowed, you know, me to, again, check my thoughts, but also to make sure that I'm helping others in, in that space. Oh, that's so good. Thank you. You're teaching already. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, for sharing that. And so, well, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm always just amazed. I mean, popped up in my inbox the other day, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, here is, you know, Squire Demetrius Evans being spotlighted at Teal, Teal Firms for all of the good work that you have done in the field as well as in the community and being recognized in your industry. So again, congratulations for being celebrated Global Entrepreneur of the Year, being celebrated by the Urban League and what you've done there. So, you know, just have to kudos. I just want to share and shout that out. But one of the things I'd like to talk about before we, you know, really get into a lot of the work, I'm just so impressed every time I, I read your resume and your background and look up everything. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this Wonder Woman or Superwoman <laughs> is just amazing for me. So one of the things, um, you know, where where did you grow up and, you know, where did you go to school? And then how did you decide to go into law? So interesting. Thank you for 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 that, Pam. Um, and yeah, I you you sent that to me, and so I didn't even realize that that had happened. 
with the Urban League. So thank you so much, Urban League, and, and everyone who, you know, decided that I should be highlighted, the company should be highlighted. That was that was really amazing. And thank you, Pam, for just sending it to me and uh, and, and paying attention to so much that's, that's going on. Um, so more to your question, though, I, I grew up in Ohio. Um, I, 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 ha- I went to Denison University, and um, Denison, I, I didn't want to go too far from, from where I live. I'm from Columbus, and so Ohio State University is there. So I, I grew up, uh, you know, going to the campus and um, being a part of like there was a Martin Luther King Center that that Ohio State University put right in my community. And then my community at the at, at the time that I was growing up it's not like that now. There was um there were entrepreneurs that started a black grocery store and they were trading from, you know, all over the world. And then my my mom um was was in the um entertainment like entertainment industry she she owned she owned actually a nightclub um which is you know kind of interesting because like every church every every sunday we were in church but she owned a nightclub so at the nightclub <laughs> i yeah, it was interesting at the nightclub yeah, i was cool, able Right. So my mom is like, did you tell that? Um, but at, at, the, at the nightclub, I was responsible for the door. So everything that happened on the door, you know, that really had to do with money and checking IDs and things like that. So that, that was that was one of the jobs that I had. So I always had these jobs throughout my life, um, you know, that were connected to business. And then also in this little community, there were um there were there were a lot of black entrepreneurs, so it was always reflected back to me as to who I was. Now, you know, I'm not. I, I don't want to say that I always stayed on the straight and narrow because I, I remember one time that I, you know, took a little path and decided I was going to be in this little gang. It was, um, you know, a, a nothing compared to you know what the gangs that I've been able to work with. And I say been able to because that's been eye opening too, but. Um, but I, but I did see how that could develop, you know, because I was for a moment pulled into it until my parents said, oh, no, we're not going this way. So, um, you know, after growing up in that community, having Ohio State put a Martin Luther King Center where I, I you know, there was specific education that they were trying to they were trying to get students to come into the black community, but they were all, they were also very conscious of educating the kids that were in the black community. So that was helpful. It was helpful to be around these entrepreneurs. And um, then my, my grandparents owned a grocery store in a different community. And so I worked in their store. So there's a lot of entrepreneurship around me. And I, and I think that it really, it, it, you know, it, 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 it made it, it made the path for me, and so I, I just okay. walked the path. That that that's such a great story, and I just learned something new every time I talk with you. And so, how did you get to Miami? Did you just want to go? I mean, mm. and I do know Denison. I actually worked in Ohio uh, for five years on my corporate journey, so I'm very familiar with Denison wow. University. And so, um, so how did you? Did you just want to go to the warmth? <laughs> after I, I did. I did. Yes, I did. I said, just uh, enough is enough. Let me look for a school where I will be born. <laughs> it, it, it also it also helped that Miami Vice was there, and they were, you know, it was oh, always yes. on television. It looked beautiful, okay. right? So I was like, you just dated yourself, okay? <laughs> Absolutely, with my so. Is so you're, I know we're going to talk. We'll talk a little bit more about this after commercial breaks. I want to talk a little bit about the work that you did while um, while in in law school with the asylum for Haitian and Guantanamo Bay, and also you know the the international focus that you studied uh, from John Marshall Law. I didn't realize uh, international trade was one of your disciplines, and was that influence from um, the work that you were doing and the people you were around in your community? No, it, it really wasn't. This, um, this, okay. Because, because I, I had this experience with the nightclubs, um, Bud Weiser, this is a funny story, but Bud Weiser put out this entire series on African kings and queens, and they were these huge mirrors. Sure so 
after they were done with them, my mom brought them home and put them in the basement. And so now, now I'm totally studying all of these people and trying to understand why am I not learning about them in, in school. And then I started to do reports on them. And then I really began to understand slavery and get very, very interested in how do people now become commodities that are sold around the world, and how does this influence our economics of, you know, of, of, this, of this nation, but every other nation? And from there, I just went on a quest. You know what? I, it's so funny. You vividly described what I so remember from Budweiser and its murals. With those I pictures? too. Yes, I was fascinated by what they were. That is so amazing. So we're going to pause here and go to commercial break. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with you right after this break. Okay, thanks. Breakthroughs aren't just for medical journals. They're to help people hold their grandbabies for the first time. Expertise isn't just for awards or recognition. It can be what gives people the best chance to walk again. At the Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network, people are the driving force behind everything we do. So we never lose sight of what's important. And we never forget who it's for. Because in the end, we're people helping people. That means every breakthrough, every clinical study, every interaction is to help people like you, your family, and your neighbors be the best they can be. We do everything possible because we see everything possible in you. To find out how compassion motivates world-class care, visit Freighter.com. From emails that get no response to improper billing and shipping to inventory mistakes, waste can be an expansive, encompassing problem. With a track record of success that includes over $7 billion in successful projects, Bold Business has been helping clients over two decades. Whether you seek to enhance the performance of current anti-waste and waste initiatives, reduce reputational damage in the face of heightened public scrutiny, or simply safeguard cost efficiency, Bold Business has the answers. Check out boldbusiness.com for more information. Welcome back. And so, you know, Demetrius, I'm just going to tell you, I I, I haven't done this in a while, but I'm going to have to read just a little bit of your CV so folks really understand, you know, who we're talking to. So attorney Demetrius Evans, just so you guys understand the scope of the work, she holds license in the Illinois Appellate Court, Supreme Court, as well as maintains license in the Northern District Trial Bar, the United States Supreme Court, the Federal Circuit Court, and the International Court of Trade. And so this is, and the reason I'm so impressed by all of this is because I have a lot of friends that are attorneys, and I know what it means to have to have all of this, um, all of these licenses, functional and operational. And so with all of that, your your firm, um, TL, which I really, the TL firms really like you to tell a little bit about that, that began in Westchester, I think back in 2009. You guys focus on probate, contract drafting litigation, intellectual property protection, and international trade compliance. And you also act as a, um, I think what uh, folks will call mitigation or arbitrator, arbitrator, arbitration, um, and some of those uh, type of uh, mediums. And then most importantly, your work in civil rights and everything you do has a larger um, intention. So, so thank you for being the expert that you are. And I just wanted our audience to just really understand, you know, who we're talking to this morning. And so, um, with that being st- said, I, t- I opened up this morning talking a little bit about AI, and I just would like to get your thought mm. on it before we jump into some of the work that you do. But um, one of the things that's really people are talking a lot about is the potential um, IP 
invasion, the invasion of intellectual property that chat GPT and, um, you know, is all over the place. So folks are trying to figure out, you know, how do I protect myself when, where, you know, or do I use this or, or what to do? So what, what is your thought on, you know, the, the invasion of privacy and with what's happening with the explosion of AI? So I, I was reading yesterday that AI is um, we're, we're in one of the largest changes that we've seen we, we've seen in our world. So like COVID, like the internet, like the automobile. That's the that's the same space that they're putting AI. And um, th- this this interview that I had I had an interview with the Urban League that led to this highlight. And what what they were trying to figure out is with their constituents, um, there there's so much creativity, right? And so everyone's running to things like trade mania. I think there's like you know do your trademarks online, and a lot of people who are going to sites like that, which are I believe AI based. Um, like you put in, this is this is the trademark that I want to file. This is what I want to do, and they just spit out something for for what what I can tell is a price that doesn't even cover USPTO, you know, uh, filing prices. The USPTO is the United States Patent and Trademark Office, where you file the trademarks and the patents. And so we were having this conversation about what is really happening and why can't um, their constituents have real, you know, real conversations with lawyers so they can decide what to do. So AI is not making these decisions for them. So that's kind of how, how that, how that, um, how that came about. But AI, every time we talk to chat GPT, all of our information is going into a database. And so for sure that the we are we are eroding our own privacy if you will. And then we have, you know, other third parties that are that are, you know, preying on us. And 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 the question is because it's so helpful, how are you ever going to get away from it? It reminds me of um, you know, one of those sea monsters that used to be on these movies that where they, you just have to keep feeding it and then it's it's going to grow so large that it, it's it's more you know most likely going to be uncontrollable when when the professionals themselves who are creating this technology have asked it where is this going to go it's saying if you don't stop us we're going to you know destroy it so you know why wouldn't you believe it when when I when I look at this from the from the legal standpoint um, there's a lot of AI that is specific to the legal industry some that I use some that I've tried and said, mm, not so sure about this. But we, mm-hmm. we have already started to see the case law where, you know, lawyers are using it and chat GPT, you know, AI, it's, it's just making up the cases. It's just making it up <laughs> because it's, you know, it's a robot. It wants to help you. So whatever you're asking it for is just like, you know, spitting it out. And so a lot of lawyers have been getting in trouble with it um, because obviously you have to check the cases and it has to be something that actually happened and we have a system of stare decisis so if it didn't already happen then um, you know you can't argue that case but if you're if chat GPT is just making up the case then you know we're all living this big lie so a couple of times that I've seen um, these lawyers have been caught on it in court and and they've suffered penalties because of it but yeah with with, with the privacy piece I think we're, we're doing it to ourselves our, our phones are following us there my my understanding um, is that the phones are taking pictures um, Mm -hmm. that's being stored God knows where and so and but we don't turn off our phones right we learn this information we keep feeding it we are doing it to ourselves yeah thank you for that you know and that's the that's the cautionary tale that that we (laughs) you know that we're going to be creating and and i'll tell you the one thing for protection and we do know this because some of our fortune 500 partners we've asked uh for some of their ai experts to help identify the best enterprise wide one that protects your data so Mm -hmm. that's great for businesses right that's great for small businesses that's great for folks to want to go get a private one that keeps your 
information, but how about the rest of the world, right? How about everybody else that's using this free chat GPT service? And, and to your point, um, that's amazing. So with that, thank you so much for that, uh, that well, update. I, I appreciate it in, in terms of what's happening. So now let's get back to, and you know, and I probably asked this of you before, but just to remind me, you know, how T-E-I-L, how did you come up with, I mean, what does that mean? What does it reflect in terms of the name of your firm? Mm. So um, it's the acronym for the Evans International Law Firm. And I didn't, I, I, so I had this, this entrepreneurial start to my life, but I decided that um, after, after law school, um, I needed, I didn't need to be in the traditional firm. I needed to be able to explore all of my ideas. And so mm-hmm. I never even applied to firms, right? I, I applied mm-hmm. to, to organizations that would expand my brain from where, you know, from, from the jump off point. And so, um, I, I decided that I would go and work for Amnesty International. And actually, I don't even think they had a job listing, but they had a fellowship. And that, that, that fit me even more. There was a Ralph J. Bunch fellowship. I went and learned a bunch of stuff about Ralph J. Bunch and how he had been to the United Nations and what he had done to try to change the world. Um, I applied. There were four fellowships that they gave out that year, so that put me in Midwest and then that brought me to Chicago. And while I was in Chicago, the the issue of the day, not that it has changed, was police brutality. And so no matter what you were doing in the law, these cases were, you know, just in your face. And there was one case in particular where a homeless person had a, like a butter knife and got shot by the cops. And so this was fascinating for me. So I kind of I, I was I was doing international work. I was working with um, Amnesty on campaigns involving uh, against the death penalty. I was going into the prisons. I was seeing, you know, firsthand what death row was like. I was talking to people on death row. I was, you know, using my voice as Amnesty International to make sure that the hour that they were supposed to have out and the shower and the phones that they actually have. But I kept being pulled into the news of what was happening. So I went to work with Stan Willis and Associates. Um, I did a couple of other things in law firms, but I, I went into his firm to work specifically on civil rights cases. And is that something? After after, you know, I went into the firm and learned how civil rights worked, and that put me dead smack in the middle of the Seventh Circuit here in um, in Chicago. And then, you know, just like all sorts of cases I was working on. But one case in particular that I worked on was the reparations lawsuit. So uh. reparations around the nation, they brought to Chicago. And so, you know, then they held those hearings in the big ceremonious um, courtroom in the Seventh Circuit. And so here I am, a little girl from Ohio, now arguing a multinational um, case for reparations in the Seventh Circuit. Like, I, you know, I can't make it up, right? It was fascinating. No, you, I, you know. Yeah. Having having conversations with lawyers from Lloyd's of London who were talking about uh. how the insurance policies went, you know, were were um were being paid out and where the money was going from slavery, it was just really fascinating. So that continued to, you know, keep me involved in this international world and and help me with my quest for understanding, you know, bodies being sold, right? I mean, I think now the issue is human trafficking and we're yeah. seeing, maybe maybe seeing that with this New York piece that I don't even know what to do with, with, you know, yeah. this Jewish synagogue and, and these tunnels and wow, I, I don't even know what to do with that. I'm still trying to understand what could possibly be happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, in the 21st century, yes, mind-blowing, mind-blowing. Yeah. And you know, And you know what's amazing, real quickly, when you talk about, you know, I spent 20 plus years in the insurance industry, so I know Lloyd's of London really well, is to think that they were operating and and supporting and financing slavery. That's how long they've been around. (laughs) 
Wow. And so and it's right. So, you know, they were, they were, they were paying for the ships and they were insuring the slave ships and, and all of this. Amazing. It's just, it's just amazing. But okay. that is, that is amazing in terms of, of your exposure, which like you said, being in the right place at the right time for the opportunity, mm-hmm. but just, um, uh, just shifting quickly. So in, in terms of, you know, today, you know, and I want to talk a little bit about TEAP too, but before we get there, you know, with civil rights, I'm going to say just been turned upside down when, mm. you, when, you're, when you're talking about, you know, Supreme Court decisions and, mm. um, and, and just, just everything, politically, environment, parties, even even you know our our great conservative Republican you know party that protected you know all values. Who knows what they are now? And don't don't misunderstand me. Democrats are not far behind. So I mean, so our whole system of you know human equity and rights to me has just been turned upside down to the point to where uh, you know folks are saying diversity, equity, and inclusion. Is mm. is discriminatory and and mm. prejudicious and stuff like that. So how I mean how today do you I mean are do you see you know when you started and got exposed and excited about civil rights have have you seen it now become something different and you know what is your take on it and and what advice would you even have people in terms of continuing to do what they believe in. Um, well, first, let me just say that I, I think um, in, in your own right, you are just an amazing person and everything that you have been able to accomplish with um, Diversity NBA Magazine and The Voice and, and just everything that's come from it. And just being in this space for so long and being, you know, such a leader, I just want to thank you. Thank you for continuing to open up everybody's eyes about what's happening. So thank you oh. so much. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. So, um, with so okay, here's here's another piece. So once I decided I really really enjoy this and I'd like to take my education further, I decided I want to do an LLM, probably go and work for the United Nations, right? Because my my interest is in the people. I want to, you know, how like how. What's the greatest number of people that I can help in my lifetime? What's the legacy that I want to leave for my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren? Like, that's a question that's always on my mind. That's a meditative question that, you know, I'm always trying to figure out how is this going to – what's the end like, right? Because there's going to be an end for all of us. Um, And so what I decided was I'll go back, I'll get a, a master's, and I'll do it in human rights. And so I I started looking for schools with international human rights programs and was not finding what I needed. So I made an appointment. I I talked to the dean at John Marshall Law School. We sat down and he brought in some other people. And finally, you know, what what came out of it was it's not so much people. People make up companies and companies are running the world. So this was a mind shift and um, one that that made me say, oh, if that's really how this is working, let's let's understand companies more. Um, let's let's take a deeper dive. Let's go and get an education, an education in business. Let's take this into international trade. Let's start to look more at commerce. And so that's what I did. I kind of did an about shift. Um, I did those degrees. I went to business school and then out of the, the business school that I went to is the Joseph School of Business. So we know that, you know, Joseph uh, in the Bible um, was under Potiphar's um, finger, and God gave him these wonderful ideas. And then he said, forget it, don't pay me. All all the cows that are spotted, I'm going to take those, and then I'll leave. And, and Potiphar was like, yeah, there's no spotted cows. But then because God is who God is, change that entire situation around. So with, with that understanding under the I was under the um, the the teaching of Dr. Bill Winston, he took then Joseph Business School all over the world. So now 
um, I'm back in a business school that now is international. And one of the places that he wants to affect is Haiti. So now um, I'm, I'm on a team. I start going to Haiti. I think we went there five or six times to teach business. And you might say, well, there was so much going on in Haiti. There was so much political unrest. Well, in teaching business, then that got us into development and talking to governmental we're going to go to commercial, the quick technical difficulty here, but we'll be right back with you after this commercial break. At UPMC, we believe care goes beyond our walls and into our communities. That's why we support organizations and individuals who help people prosper by giving them skills and training for employment, including right here at UPMC. Because life-changing is providing people a chance to grow. Learn more at upmc.com slash community impact. UPMC, life-changing medicine. Don't let the tight labor market get in the way of your company's success. Open your mind to new ideas and open your enterprise to new workforce solutions. With bold business, companies can leverage extensive global assets and a lengthy track record of success in reducing labor costs. Don't let borders get in the way of giving your company the best possible workforce. For remote positions, Bold Business can save clients up to 30 to 50% with skilled and experienced candidates from a global talent pool. Head to boldbusiness.com for more information. Welcome back. Great great for hanging in there with us while we had that little technical difficulty. So do you want to wrap up what you were just sharing with us, Demetrius? And, and that was really oh, kind of exciting in hearing about what was happening. Yeah, let's wrap that up real quickly, but let's. I wanted you to finish the story. Oh, okay. So, um, so after those trips to Haiti, then um, I, I came back and I decided – Let's open up a law firm and let's see if we can be instrumental in exporting and importing, which was, you know, just where I jumped in. And that was kind of the birth of the Evans International Law Firm. Oh, that is great. What an incredible story. So real quickly, I just, well, not quickly, we have, we have a little bit of time, but I really love the way you've taken kind of everything that you have done um, and created your your organization. And I do get when you talk about, you know, um, being in that entrepreneurial environment and growing up in it, I can go back as far as my great, great grandparents who were entrepreneurs. So I understand how that, you know, that develops us, but you were able, you know, to continue and, and take your commitment into uh, in finding and founding your nonprofit, um, your TEAP project. I love the work that you you do around advocacy um, within your nonprofit. So, can you spend just a couple minutes sharing with us um, a little bit about you know how you came to start your nonprofit and then what it is to, it, it serves today? Okay, um, so. Obviously, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing this work in the federal court. I'm, you know, litigating cases for months on end. And um, after I decide I'm going to go in a different direction, the, the people that I've come into contact, their families, they don't really let me do that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I continue to get calls. Can you take this case? This happened. And some of it, you know, I, I had decided I'm, I'm going to focus on this international business piece. But some of it was just pulling, just really tugging at me, like, how can that happen? Are you sure this is what happened? You know, and and so I was taking these phone calls. At some point, just the time of it said, hey, Demetrius, you're like at 50% with the business side, and then you're about 50% doing pro bono work. So this, you know, your lightning fast mind ought to tell you that this is not going to work. This is not what they tell you in business, right? It needs to be all for profit. And so I, I said, okay, why don't I bring in some folks who have this interest who would also like to help in this area? 
And so I did. At first, I just started off with volunteers. I just put out a call. You know, I think it was on Indeed or something like that to just say, does anyone want to work on these projects? I have five or six projects. I call them projects probably more, you know, more of the term is cases. But some of them weren't real cases. Some of them were like, for 15 years, I've been trying to get these medical records that prove that the DNA was wrong or whatever it was, and they won't give it to me. Well, you get, you know, a lawyer from a letter from a lawyer. And then automatically that's being released. So that was, you know, that was like, well, you don't, you're not even doing anything. Uh, yes, there's a letter, but, you know, what did that take to write and send them as, as, you know, as compared to somebody not being able to get those medical records for 15 years? That's that the, just the dichotomy okay. is insane. So, okay, yeah. so now I get this group and now I decide, okay, now this is getting larger than just a little side volunteer organization. Now I need to start writing grants. I need grant writers. I need computers. I need the space. And so it just started to build out. I was telling someone the other day, I had people come from different states just to help me with this project. So I really believe that your your gifts will make room for you. I believe that you can't focus on the money because had I said, no, I'm making money now, I'm not going to do this, then the people we've been able to assist, they would not have, not, not have the help, period. Yes. See, that's incredible. That's incredible that you're able to identify, you know, something within the very specific to to and to help them. And you've been doing this work for how, how long have you been doing the nonprofit? So I kind of started this these phone calls and, and helping people in 2011. And 2014 okay. um, was when I officially became, when the T, which is the Evans Exoneration Project, which seeks okay. to exonerate those who are innocent. So in 2014, it became official. And then um, the grants, but the grants didn't really start until... 2019. So I operated a long time with just people sending checks, Pam. You know, there are so many people that were affected by this that just said, I want you to keep doing this. Please keep doing this. And so that's how we operated for a long time. So did you see an increase, uh, you know, with grants as related to what was happening with George Floyd? I didn't. I I, I did not. No, I, I, I got a grant from access to justice. Um, there are, uh, there are so many grants, but there were not so many grants for exonerating those who, you know, a lot of the people that I see, they've, they've been in jail for 15, 20 years. And so a lot of times they just throw away the key and nobody's thinking about it anymore. And so there weren't a lot of grants. And for anyone who's, you know, thinking about looking at grants, what I decided to do was let's, let's change the narrative on this a little bit. How, how Mm -hmm. can I? I change it and it's not all focused on those who are in prison and who are saying that they're innocent because those cases take years and years. So then I started okay. to say, okay, let me look at this clemency piece. There is an Illinois clemency board, parole board, I think they used to be called, and they look at cases and say, yeah, okay, well, if it was, you know, marijuana, if it was, you know, um, something where, where you know, it, it wasn't so violent and they've already served 15 years, can we, you know, can we set up a system where there's a check and balance and then these people can get out of prison? So in the last, okay. I'd say in the last six months, that has been a focus of mine. That's incredible. Um, and, you know, it, and it's unfortunate that, you know, those that are um, wrongfully accused and still behind bars, it takes so many years to do something. But it's, but it's, you know, I think it's even as critical with you doing the work for those that are in there for, you know, smaller crimes or less, maybe I should say less um Stringent crimes. Violent, and, maybe, and yeah. Less yeah. violent, thank you, that's the word, less violent crimes. So, I, you know, and, and in this, in talking about civil rights, I think it's important that people know, um, the folks like you and the work that you're doing, and I want to thank you, you know, for your efforts and contribution in doing that. What, what an incredible story. So if people wanted to know more about, we're going to do one at a time here, First, if people wanted to know more just about, you know, 
Attorney Evans, where can they go? Um, so I started doing some speaking maybe three years ago, and so I developed a speakers page that's on the website. It's uh, www.teal, and teal is T-E-I-L, the Evans International Law Firm. So the speakers page is there. Um, free resources are on the website. Um, so, yeah, you can learn all about what we do. We blog. There are newsletters. Nothing like the, the work that you're putting out because I'm in awe of, you know, of the scholarship of what you're putting out right now, Pam. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're doing our best. Yes, you are. And then if they wanted to know where would they go about TEEP, if they wanted to get more information. Well, there, there's a link there, but it's also, um, I think, let me see. We just changed websites. So I believe it's the Evans Exoneration Project. That's a website, okay. you know, we're internet world. So I think the best place is, is to go. But always, you know, you can always call the office. You can All always- the companies are run out of one office. Okay. And your office number is? 708-531-1740. And so, and their official website is www.teilfirms.com. So if you go there, um, tealfirms.com, you'll, you'll find everything. So I want to thank you for just energizing my morning <laughs> with such a <laughs> great conversation. And as we move into, you know, celebrating or this continue, not just Martin Luther King's birthday, but just the continue equal rights movement and, you know, your right to be here, your right to help others. People choose what you want to do, be who you want to be. Um, thank you for continuing to be that role model um, for all of us. So Thank you. with that, we're going to wish you the very best and um, and hope to have you back with us again uh, sometimes later on in the year. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I appreciate appreciate all that you do. Thank you so much. And back at you. And so I'm Pam McElvain here with the Inclusive Voice. As we've heard earlier, Attorney Demetrius Evans, an inc- celebrated um, I, we call it the sister girl who has been able to impact not just the legal field, but also the community in helping others, you know, get closer to their dreams. We ask all of you to think about, you know, what civil rights have I felt I might not be leveraging today and let me go exercise the greatest right I have, and that is to vote. So with that, we're going to call it a morning and you guys have a great rest of the weekend. I'm your host, Pam McElvain on the Inclusive Voice. And thank you, Devin, for all your support and all that you do as we move into 2024. The Inclusive Voice was sponsored by Diversity MBA Media and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of NewsWeb Radio Company or its management.